back to Miserable and Reckless, bringing you unfiltered opinions on sports, music, culture, and all things the South. I'm Logan sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. Be sure to give us five stars and a great review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Stitcher. Check out the website, miserable-reckless.com. We still have 20% off site-wide on all merch until December 15th. That's at miserable-reckless.com slash shop. All right, the good, the bad, the ugly. Kick things off for us, right? Me. All right, well. You never go to me first. I'm full of nastiness this week. Coming to you live, what are we, episode 104? Well, America, you finally caught up with me. I've been running from it. What's that running, outrunning your memory? <laughs> What's that, Miranda? <laughs> I've been yeah, running away Miranda. for a long time, but uh, I am on the road again. I'm in a hotel room, not in Raleigh this time, not on the state of NC State campus, and I am uh, – be on the road here for the next 13 days or something like that so covid's over i guess i'm back on the road doing the, the single man routine not that i am single but one single man in a hotel room with three shirts and you know some checks mix in the background or whatever so that's what will get me through the next 13 days that stress and coffee so anyways live <laughs> and super miserable uh per my normal life pre <laughs> August 16th, 2020. I guess you guys haven't heard this version before. But uh, let's start with the ugly, and I'll work my way towards the good, so that way everyone's real happy at the end of it. Um, We talked last week about overtimes. I'm sick of overtimes. Let me explain to you a little bit why. (laughs) (sighs) Pretty much since I stayed in that stupid Wolfpack Hotel. Um, Basketball, let's see. Basketball is 0-4 since I stayed there against ranked powerhouses. I know you guys are all have heard of these Blue Bloods before, uh, the Iowa State Tornadoes or whatever they're called, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide basketball team, uh, Indiana, well, all right, fair enough, and Virginia Tech. So uh, we're 0-4 against those ranked powerhouses. Um, dropped all four of those games right in a row. And then, um, well, football's lost two games. Uh, can't tell which is worse, the double overtime loss that I was saw in person with Logan or a championship loss where we basically came out and laid a fucking egg and lost by 29. Um, to paraphrase Gary Hahn from NC State Radio, check that. It's actually three straight losses. Well, I wasn't including the Georgia Tech loss because I technically wasn't in the hotel when that happened. <laughs> this is all about me, obviously. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the problem here. Um, we have players leaving in droves, although half of them suck. Um, so we've got the entire secondary pretty much that's in the portal. I think they took Deion Sanders' advice to heart and just all jumped in the portal at the same time. Um, you can Google that if you if you want to. Deion Sanders basically told all of his players in Colorado to jump in the portal. Uh, he He's also said his own bring- luggage, and it's Louis. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, so many people are leaving Chapel Hill that Karen Shelton got the bug. So after she won her 10th national championship in women's field hockey, she up and retired. So uh, it's it's a dark day down here in Chapel Hill where I am uh, currently sitting. And uh, what else do we have? Oh, wait, hold on. There's another overtime loss. Uh, women's soccer team known for pretty much wiping their butt with everybody, uh, at least in the past, um, was up two goals to none. With eight minutes left, or two goals to nil, shall we say, with eight minutes left in the national championship against UCLA. And they were even up 2-1 with 16 seconds left. And guess what happened, America? 
They lost in double overtime, three to two. That's right. With 16 seconds left, they gave up a corner kick and uh, and and tied the game and then immediately fell apart in double overtime. So really sick of overtime. Um, this is a dark day for Chapel Hill, but we will uh, we will get through it. Um, geez, I just can't catch a win. People are retiring. People are portaling or whatever they call it. There's a wormhole of negativity over Chapel Hill. I'm hoping to, to swing it the opposite way. I'm staying in Chapel Hill this time. I learned my lesson. So hopefully this turns the tide. Um, speaking of people that are leaving, uh, that's a good thing. Um, Phil Longo, get the hell out of town, please, as quickly as possible. Um, tried to be nice and tried to not say anything too mean because you were still part of the team. But now that you're not part of the team and you want to go to Wisconsin, I'm sure they'll be more than happy to have you run the ball down 22 on a second, second down. Um, really appreciate the effort there in the championship game. Just really want to congratulate you for being a real tough coach with that flat top mentality and just running the ball up the gut on um, second and, and, and 12 when we're down 22. Uh, four, four offensive possessions in a row. So thank you. And uh, so I guess that's a bad thing that turned into a good thing because he's leaving. And in case you were wondering, when is he getting around to the good thing? Um, well, I guess it's good that I'm back in North Carolina because I do actually like being here um, despite all the misery it causes. So I'll be down here for the next little while. Hopefully I can get up with Morgan this time around and the family and, and Logan, maybe we can go hit some golf balls or grab a beer or something. But, um, uh, the other good thing that happened this week, and I'll keep it very short and simple, but, um, I've been spending more time than I should on a computer on Sundays, as opposed to in a church view. And I decided to uh, actually bite my uh, anxiety in half and go talk to the pastor at, at a church that I've been attending. So I, that was a big step for me because uh, it's I don't feel comfortable doing that. I'm much more comfortable on Saturday night than on Sunday morning. Let's put it that way. Um, as seeing as how I've already cursed twice on this podcast, so <laughs> I <laughs> I, uh, I went and I had a conversation with the pastor, and it was a very nice conversation. And it's going to be a private conversation, but. I thought that it was a good thing, and I thought it merited mentioning on here, if for no other reason than I have never been so nervous in my entire life, at least not in the last 15 years, and that includes the day I got married. <laughs> so uh, when you go in to talk to a pastor, uh, uh, it's uh, just about life and uh, introduce yourself. That's uh, um, if, you, if you ever wanted to feel more nervous than you might feel on your wedding day, try that out, America. <laughs> so, But it was a good thing. I'm glad that it happened. And, Hopefully uh, that'll bring some accountability to my life. Maybe I'll be a little bit more of a regular on Sundays. <laughs> <laughs> That's my good. All right, Morgan, good, the bad, and the ugly. All right. Well, good is uh, Bridget's birthday is coming up this weekend. She's going to be two. And we are taking her and the family to the uh, Great Wolf Lodge in uh, Williamsburg, Virginia. Actually heading out tomorrow around lunchtime. Uh, my mom's meeting us there, and also um, uh, her parents are meeting us there as well. So it's looking forward to it. it's gonna be a really fun weekend. Um, and I a lot of wolf lodges going on in this group these days. Santa Claus is going to be there and it's like a water park indoors and all this fun stuff. So um, it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it and uh, can't wait. Let's see. And then on to my bad. 
um, let's say, um, keeping it with sports and and angles um, excitement for his teams. Um, my uh, Virginia Tech Hokies are nine and one and uh, not ranked. So that, that's great. That's great. You know they're pretty much you know at the top in the ACC right now and uh, undefeated at home. Granted, it's against teams that are mediocre at best. Um, and uh, but still, nine and one is nine and one. And there's teams that are ranked right now that don't even have seven wins. So go figure. Who gives a fuck, right? It all matters what happens at the end of the season. If they go unranked the entire year and they just make it to the to March Madness and, and win one round, I'll be happy. So take uh as uh Michael Scott once said to Toby, suck on this rock. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry uh, that as soon as you beat us, we dropped out of the rankings, therefore making your win a back win. <laughs> well, what's funny with that was is that people took to Twitter. I saw you because it's always funny to read people's comments, and they're just like, Where you know, we should not have lost Virginia Tech. Like they're like they thought the whole world was falling apart because they lost to Virginia Tech. Um I guess a little news flash, tech won the ACC championship last year. Um, then they did a damn good job of doing it too. So um, maybe fans at UNC should really watch basketball more often. Um, anyway, on to my ugly. Um, keeping it with sports, the uh, first day of transfer portal opening up in Tech had eleven damn players jump in the portal. So. And I think two, maybe three declared for the draft. So it'll be uh, be interesting. But Price said that he was evaluating the entire team. And he probably told those players that, look, I'm bringing in more competition for your spot. Um, didn't like what you guys produced last year. And it's, you know, it is what it is. So um, that's my good thing. be a good yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, you got, if you got players that don't want to play for the team, don't want to play for the uh, – you know, the culture that you're building there, then it's look, man, go, go play somewhere else. Looks yeah. like one of your corners or DBs or just said it to Chapel Hill. Say Armani, what Armani, whatever his name is. I can't remember. I saw it briefly on Twitter today. It looks like he, he's heading Chap- to Chapel Hill. Chapman. Yep. Armani think, Chapman. That's him. Yeah. He's good. But yeah, I saw, I actually saw on Twitter that another player for UNC went to portal and like less than 24 hours whiffed through it. I guess he didn't see enough uh, traction for his name being in the portal. I I I guess we'll stay at UNC. I think he also saw everybody else in the DB room left and he's like, oh, this is guaranteed uh, PT. (laughs) Could be. Could could be. I'm sure Dre Bly can coach him up much better than he did. All the other DBs the last four or five years. <laughs> Love that comment. He's a, good uh, he's, a good, he's a good recruiter, but he can't coach worth a shit. Do we, need to, do we need to explain this comment to anyone that lives outside of Tobacco Road? <laughs> Dre, yes, I should explain about it. Dre Ply is a horrible DB coach. He was a great player, great recruiter, horrible coach. He's the defensive backs coach for... 
North Carolina and he's from the 757 originally and he's been poaching for a while. So anytime he slips up, it's an opportunity for people to oh, poke at him. Okay. Okay. Show me over the last four or five years anything worth a damn he's done. Nothing. <laughs> he, hey, he did That's introduce true. that turnover belt that looks like WWE. That's that's not the worst thing I've seen. True. Hey, the worst thing I saw was the Louis Vuitton book bag down in what, <laughs> Miami or whatever, or Florida State. Florida State. Well, Pittsburgh dunks a dunks a basketball, so um, yeah. that makes well, sense, I, right? I expect the Louis bag to be in Colorado now with Pro- Coach Prom. <laughs> the worst one I've seen. And it hasn't been brought up on here because it's not Southern, but the worst one I've seen is the Oregon State one. They literally give guys a chainsaw and they like fire up a chainsaw on the sidelines and start like, like chopping it, stuff though. down. <laughs> the beavers. And I was that's, like, wow, that's that's safe. That's, I that's like better that. than everything that we just described. <laughs> it can't be a real chainsaw. They got to have taken the chain off. <laughs> but I guess that's very... I guess that's fair, but still, it would be w- way better if they just had a log over there and you got, they like cut it <laughs> off. <laughs> Chopping down the offense. All right, Dustin, good, the bad, and the ugly. <laughs> Man, that's pretty awesome. All right, uh, good. Let's start with uh, a basketball good. Uh, Cal Filipowski has been real good. So far this year for Duke as a freshman, um, he was anticipated to be good, but he's definitely been better than anticipated. He has four straight ACC Rookie of the Year or Rookie of the Week awards, which uh, no one else has ever done before. No Duke player, and I don't believe any other player has done, and I thought that was pretty cool. It may also mean there's not a lot of good rookies in the league this year, so there's maybe that part of it, but it's still pretty cool to be that uh, – to have started your career that well. Um, so keep it going because you're a big part of this year's team. Uh, and ugly was, I was listening to a podcast with some uh, former um, Duke football player and he played in the 2021 season. He was a grad transfer and, and uh, he was very polite and respectful, but listening to him talk about the, the locker room that last season for, for coach cut, uh, you can understand why the the result on the field was a mess. The locker room was a mess. Um, it kind of opened a window into what we were all seeing and kind of being like, this team has given up. This team just doesn't care. They don't believe in their coaches. And it's that's 100% what was going on behind the scenes per this individual and his what he was sharing on a podcast. He's very nice about it. He was careful trying not to run down any of the coaches, but clearly they lost the team. Um, and it was, thank God the university was willing to recognize that and open a new chapter. Um, regardless of how grateful any of us may have been for as Duke fans for, for what coach cut did. Then when you get to that point, there's just no coming back. And it sounds like things got pretty bad in, in the locker room. Um, Lastly, uh, this is more an interesting than a good or bad or ugly, but uh, how how about Louisville and their new head football coach? Um, Jeff Brown. Scott, Scott Satterfield, you know, never really seemed to like Louisville and sort of hit, went ahead and made his jump. And, like, they don't have to pay a buyout. They don't have to pay to fire him. 
They don't have to share salaries. Like they just, they got off scot-free and they got the guy they wanted all along. Now these home run hires, you know, Brom, you know, maybe he'll work out. Maybe he won't. I mean, when you get the guy, when you're Michigan and you get Harbaugh or when you're Nebraska and you get Scott Frost, you know, like these things don't always work out or they don't always work out immediately, but you know, they got the guy they want it and they want it for a long time. Um, they also have, I mean, their boosters are stepping up. I mean, ready to spend money trying to get players there. Adidas is ready to spend money to try to get players there. Um, the league away this time. And, uh, it's, it could get interesting in Louisville, um, over the next few years in football. So really just weird thing with Satterfield leaving and how he did it. Y'all can look that up. He basically like didn't give his parent, his, uh, players a lot of respect. It sounds like on the way out, but Louisville, uh, kind of won in the end on this one. So we'll see how the next few years go, but it could be big for them and for that program. So I thought that was interesting. The school he went to is the team that Louisville's playing in the bowl game. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So the the joke is he's going to coach the first half for Louisville and the second half for Cincinnati so he can't lose. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, uh, Mark Packer said he was talking about Louisville, and he said two things, Louisville. First of all, you got turned down four years ago by the guy that's coming back to you. Don't screw this up. Basically saying, like, you know, like, like you, 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 you've been looking, you've been eyeing the girl for four years, and now you finally took her to the senior prom. Don't mess this up. And then the second thing is your boyfriend that, that, that left you, that for, or whatever, whatever the analogy would be, that freed you up to take the girl to the senior prom, Okay, you need to go out and you need to beat his ass in the bowl game. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> He's right, 100%. I mean, it's uh, – I just find it – the situation is interesting, but I just find it really interesting. It could be – Louisville could get good under the conditions of what's going on there. Um, we'll see. These Sometimes these hires on paper don't work out in real life the way you think they will. But, you know, they did pretty good at Purdue. So. We'll see. Well, that leaves me. I've got a good, a good slash bad and a kind of sad. Uh, Start with the good, which is by far the most trivial of the three. Um, For the first time since before COVID, I was cleared to be able to wear contact lenses again at my latest eye appointment. So contacts got in today. So it won't be glasses all time of the day for me. And I haven't worn them since 2019, but good to go back to contacts here. Doctor said it's okay. Uh, so that's good news. Um, the second good slash bad was I went to the NC State game at Reynolds Coliseum. First time being there since they remodeled it. The attendance is, uh, numbers like of the capacity is drastically reduced. It used to be like 12,000 seats. Now it's down to like 4,000 uh, since they added some type of like almost like museum. It's way nicer than it used to be kind of sucks that the capacity is so much lower because the prospects of ever being able to go back there to play games is off the table now, but very different experience watching a college basketball game at Reynolds versus PNC Reynolds was rocking because of the way it's so Reynolds was designed uh, based on the blueprints for Cameron indoor. So Reynolds back in the day was a larger version of Cameron indoor stadium. Um, It the, it was loud and rocking to play Coppin State. 
PNC only gets loud and rocking for two games a year. Uh, that's Duke and North Carolina. Rest of the time, it's like you're you're in a professional arena. It really kind of takes the the uh, the energy out of the building a lot of times for a college basketball game. It was really cool being in Reynolds, but during that game, our uh, starting center, uh, Dusan Mohorcic, he messed up something in his leg. I think it was a knee, but I'm not totally sure. But he's out indefinitely. It will require surgery. Dude, um, he he was a a great defender and rebounder with garbage buckets because he was getting like. 8.8 points, 7 point something rebounds per game, but he was just a bull down low. And so I'm just like, here we go again. But then the good side of, of this story is literally the next day, the number five center in the 2023 class and the number 30 player, a top 30 player overall, uh, Isaiah Miranda, seven foot center, committed to NC State and is reclassifying and will be eligible this month to play with the team. There's going to be some, some, uh, you know, integration time of getting him into the system, getting him acclimated to the college game because he's coming from high school to college immediately mid-season. But that things like that just don't happen to us uh, very often. And it kind of leads into what Ryan was talking about. Will Black Friday be the time that we all look back on as when Carolina's run of bad luck began and State's luck kind of turned around? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm just asking questions at this point because <laughs> I've seen some Carolina fans joke about it, that if things don't turn around and Carolina keeps having all this run of bad luck, their 1983 might've been retiring Mike Krzyzewski in the final four. And the question I have for Carolina fans, if you go into the wilderness for multiple decades, was it really worth it? <laughs> I don't know if it was at that point. Uh, in real life, not, they're probably going to be fine. Not when the Wolfpacks. Not when it's the era of the wolf and the Shire hire is still fire. And worth it. <laughs> that would be totally, I would take that trip. That would be the greatest trade in the history of trade deals. Uh, let coach K lose his last game to Carolina and then Duke and state going to run and Carolina sucks. That would be just like <laughs> Nirvana in North Carolina. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Not going to bet happen. on it, but we'll see. It what won't happens. happen. Bad luck doesn't run for a long time for UNC. So trust me, not going to happen, but uh, the, this, this long. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, surely though the women will win the national title. I was texting you guys about it. I was like, eight minutes left. This is a formality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the biggest shocker really has been the uh was the women's soccer team. Yeah. Just because of their history. Yeah. Like the basketball team doesn't lose three or four straight often, but that's more plausible than a team who has been in the national title game and won vastly more national titles in that sport than anybody else in the sport. Um, they lose like that. Yeah, I'm just I'm starting to get a little bit like, could this be? I don't know. Just asking questions. But the thing about the get to my last one, the sad. Um, we had only we had two kids go into the portal. Uh, one of them was a career, you know, fourth string wide receiver. Hope he you know finds some place for more playing time. He wasn't gonna get any playing time next year, so I don't blame his move. The other one was one we knew all was coming. Devin Leary has another year of eligibility. He hit the portal. Um, it's bittersweet because it's in his best interest. There's a lot of chatter about him uh, going to Notre Dame, which will be interesting if he does, because we, we host Notre Dame at Carter Finley next year. So that'd be kind of funny if he comes in and throws for five touchdowns on us. But, um, Devin Leary is like fourth all time and in, uh, touchdown or touchdowns, sixth all time in passing yards. He had a quietly good, like really good career at NC State 
Um, Because if you really just think about the amount of pro quarterbacks NC State's had over the last 25 years, the fact that he's that high up on the list, I mean, you got to give him some credit there. So it's kind of sad to see the guy go. Um, But as we always say, we'll always have 2021. 35 touchdowns, five, only five interceptions. But hope everything works out for him if he goes to the land of the Irish. But that's my good, good slash bad and sad. It was going to be actually sad. Like someone passed away. It was just Devin Larry moving to outside the conference. <laughs> I mean, well, sort of outside the conference. They take yeah, one of our bowl spots. So, right. I, I know. Well, the reason we're in the Duke's Mayor Bowl was because of Notre Dame. So, well, yeah, everybody great. got bumped. At least you can play Maryland. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how, which one of you two teams can figure out a way to tragically lose that. Well, and you know, the funny thing is the series is tied 33 wins a piece all time coming into this game. Of course it is. Of course <laughs> it is. Are there any ties just to really drive home the point? <laughs> I think it's there were four ties, two. actually. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I saw that there's four ties. Yeah. Uh, yeah we'll see. <laughs> that's going to be must watch TV for me. <laughs> Watching those two programs play a football game. Someone has to win. <laughs> we haven't played them since my freshman year of college, which was their last year in the ACC. So it's been almost 10. Oh, it has been 10 years since last time we played them. The, the whole team will get COVID and, and Duke's Mayo will have COVID and they'll, they'll just cancel it. <laughs> the actual mayonnaise will just have COVID and then they'll cancel it. <laughs> if, if that happens, <laughs> the actual mayonnaise, if that happens, that would be the second year in a row that you beat Carolina and promptly had your bowl game canceled. And so oh, I, yeah. ask, I ask you, was it worth it? Was it worth it? <laughs> in the case yes. of the Duke's Mayo Bowl, 110% yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So college football is coming to a close. We know it's bowl season, but um, it's really getting into college basketball season. And anybody who's been listening to us for, 103 episodes prior to this know that we like college basketball just like we like college football. So, of course, we're going to have the ACC preview show. More sports, everybody. You know you love it. And if you don't, learn to love it, as Ric Flair would say. Um, so let's start off with what the we're, – we realize we're 10 games into the season. Uh, this, if it were voted now by the media, would probably be a little bit uh, different than what it is – what what they voted on then, but this was what the media voted on uh, preseason for the order of ranked uh, of finish for the ACC college basketball season. They had Carolina first, Duke second, Virginia third, Miami fourth, Florida State fifth, uh, Notre Dame sixth, Virginia Tech seventh, Syracuse eighth, Wake ninth, State tenth, Clemson eleven, Louisville twelve, Boston College thirteen, Pitt fourteen, Georgia Tech fifteen. So let's start up with that the ACC preseason poll. Um, do you guys still think it's going to be some variation of this, or do you think it's going to be jumbled up a little bit based on what we've seen 10 games through? You want to talk about how there was 101 total votes and 90 of them went to North Carolina? Oh, yeah. That's, that's probably something of note, considering yeah, the 5-4. I mean, it, it's I'm not bragging about this. I'm saying like, I'm not bragging. I'm saying like that's – Oh, yeah, no. Uh, I'm saying like especially considering like they're, you know – started off to a slow start, like the fact that they were the overwhelming favorite. <laughs> well, 
I mean, they're, they're an interesting team, right? Like we we've texted about it a little bit. All of us or or most of us at some point have at least watched one Carolina game at this point. And they're just, you, you're sitting there looking at it being like, was, was Brady Manic really that important? Did they just catch like lightning in a bottle? Like what happened? Because what we got to remember about that Carolina team last year was they weren't very, they didn't play that well until month of the February, mid February, early February into the tournament. That's when they really just clicked and like ran with it. But, you know, on paper, you look at that, they lose one guy. They bring back everybody else. They've got a little better depth than they had this previous season. Yeah. You can see how there's 90 votes out of 101 who says, yeah, they're going to win the conference. But the question is, is, is Hubert Davis just every year going to be a takes him a little while to get the boys rolling, or is it, you know, something else going on in Chapel Hill? So I don't know the answer to that. We'll find out. Realistically, I think they they do figure it out and they will finish somewhere in the top five. Um, I'm not ready to say they're 100 percent going to win the league. But I think they finish. I, I think they have a good chance of, of finishing with a double buy. Um, but because there's too much talent on that team, uh, the problem I see with them is just that the the guards are so streaky, and it, you you got to have consistent guard play in college basketball these days. Yeah, their if their guards are either make two shots a game or fourteen, like it's and then no in between. It's feast or famine, and. Uh, it's pretty and Baycott, Armando Baycott, who was, I believe he was voted preseason player of the year. And uh and he was player of the year last year, I believe, um, at the end of the season, has not looked as good to start of the year. I mean, there's just, you know, you gotta imagine they're gonna figure it out. I agree with that, but it's just it's it's been a slow start in Chapel Hill. Yeah, he was voted preseason player of the year with 82 of the 101 votes. So, again, overwhelming uh, favorite for a preseason player of the year. And I think that's probably still going to be a, a good pick because Baycott is a double-double machine, and he is the best player on that roster. So, it's interesting. Um, I'm not particularly worried about – I'm worried about Armando's health, but I'm not necessarily worried about him because – He's averaging a double-double and as someone who watches Carolina pretty consistently, he's clearly not the player he was last year, and he's still averaging double-doubles pretty consistently. That Portland game, what are we at, 10, 10 games in? I think his, Everybody's yeah. roughly 10 games in. I th- Please don't quote me on this, but I was watching it in the hotel. I, I think the Portland game, which is the Phil Knight Invitational, which was the day before Thanksgiving – that was his fifth double-double, so we're about halfway. He, he had already double-doubled in about half of the games throughout the season, and I don't think he did in the Indiana game, but he's been playing with a busted ankle, a busted shoulder. He's got something going on with his knee. The ankle's a real problem, but the shoulder was impacting him in the Indiana game for sure. It's impacted him in the game since then. He rolled either the same ankle or another ankle that we didn't even hear about, in the overtime game at Alabama because they were in what four overtimes and he didn't play the last three overtimes. And I figured it was because of foul trouble or because he was tired or they were just trying to be smart. And we found out later it was because of his, I believe it was his ankle or his foot. And they didn't even bother to let us know that. 
So I'm not saying that that's an excuse. I'm saying that there's certain athletes. Um, why is the, this is not fair. The only one I could think of is, is Jordan. Cause it's, it's not even in close comparison, but there's certain athletes that when they give you a 60%, uh, Jeter would have been this way that like maybe Cal Ripken, you want them out there at 60% because they're probably going to give you more at 60% than somebody Tom Brady probably is in that realm. They're, they're, they're going to give you more at 60% because they're so consistent than somebody bringing somebody off the bench could give you at a hundred percent. So I'm not worried about Armando. I'm not worried about um, him being first team. I'm not worried about him being the player of the year, any of that kind of stuff. I could see some other people potentially stepping up to that. Um, you're dead on about North Carolina and I'll keep it very short and simple. I went to the game um, where Caleb Love got hot in the tournament last year. And I basically turned to my brother-in-law and I said, like, enjoy. This is this is never going to happen again. Um, he shoots 19%. If, if I have that stat correctly, going into this year, he shoots 19% from the field, from behind the three-point line. And he's putting up more threes this year than he ever has before. Now he does get streaky. He does. He, and, and when he makes one, he makes four. But when he doesn't make one, um, it's like he, he doesn't have any self-control. He just tries harder to put them up. So I, um, I, having watched Michigan state and other good basketball teams throughout the year that have good guard play, especially senior guard play, um, or, or just older upperclassmen guard play. Um, Virginia tech has had decent guard play in the past. Uh, NC state has had decent guard play in the past. Notre Dame is a team that usually has good guard play. I mean, these are just teams in the conference. Um, Syracuse graduated their people, but Syracuse has had good guard play when Wake Forest has been um, excellent. And I mean, excellent in the conference. They've had solid guard play. It's something you're going to need to play in the conference. And that's my concern. That's my concern with Carolina. I say Carolina, not that we're skipping to this, but I'd say Carolina would be lucky to finish in the top three. Just based on the team that they have. Baycott will be fine. Baycott will be, it's like Zion Williamson. Like he's going to be fine. He's good. Like he's going to be, he's going to be all right. He's going to do his thing. He's going to get paid. You know, as long as he stays healthy, I'm worried about his health, but he'll, he'll be just fine. But the rest of the team, like, I hope, I hope our, our uh, offense isn't designed around Hackashack because if it's Hackashack junior, then, then that's not going to go very well. If we come up against a team that has, Oh, I don't know anyone above uh, uh, six foot eight. So. so pivoting from the preseason team to, to win the conferences, the reigning ACC champions, Virginia Tech Hokies, they're nine and one. Just got to win 71-49 over Dayton last yeah. night. I mean, was, they – it really was. Yeah. Like, I watched the, probably the last half of the second half, and Virginia Tech has been a team that has quietly been pretty good the last two years. Um, they're nine and one right now, like I said. I mean, Morgan – Wow, what's the expectation out of Blacksburg? Well, I mean, obviously, if you look at their schedule, they haven't really played anybody yet. UNC was supposed to be a good game, but you know, unfortunately, UNC is not playing that great right now, so that win doesn't really count, I guess. <laughs> and then you know, they lost to to Charleston. Um, that's only one loss, which is probably not that great for them. Um, but I mean, from all all reports, you know that the you know they got out there. They're saying that this tech team is playing really tough, um, shooting really good, and 
you know, you just hopefully Mike Young's just got him taking each game at a time, you know, not getting too full of themselves and maybe not being ranked is probably best for them right now. He needs to play at the Dave Doran, uh, no respect from the media angle. <laughs> I mean, he, at the end of the day, they know what kind of team they have. You know, uh, Hanukkah Couture is, is once again having a good season. Um, so it's, we'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not going to get ahead of myself. You know, obviously we still have to, you know, we still got to play UVA, still have to play Duke. You know, those are going to be tough games. If I'm correct, we got Oklahoma State this weekend, which is supposed to be a, a good game for them. I guess it'll be their first really tough, tough game. Um, like I said, I'm not going to um, get too excited just yet. I mean, I'm happy they're 9-1, but at the same time, I'm just going to let let it roll. Totally fair. I don't blame you on that. I wondered why you're, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your butt. I wondered why you guys were ranked where you were by, quote, America, or that, quote, experts. You won the tournament last year. Yeah. And then pretty much everyone I, I saw had you at seven or somewhere in that, or in that yeah. range. It, like in the conference, not just like in the country, like yeah. halfway, you know, we're not really sure what to make of it. That's, that's where seven they're and eight. Probably, they're probably maybe, maybe last year was a fluke for them. You know, they don't have, you know, badass household names on their court, you know, like five-star recruits and four-star recruits like Duke and UNC do. So, I mean, that's probably why they're like, we'll just, you know, we'll see where they go mid-season and, and reevaluate it, you know? I just, I hear you, I, but there's also a part of me that gets annoyed, not by what you're saying, but by hearing that, because, like, having watched Tech, and I'm not, again, I'm not blowing smoke up your butt, like, Justin Mutz, that's a name I know, yeah. right? Like, good. Maddox yeah. is the name I know. I mean, those guys are killers. Those guys are snipers. I mean, they, they can yeah. shoot. Like, if you, if you don't know them because they're not wearing the right color blue, like, and I'm not saying you, but like America, like, if, if you don't know these names, I mean, I get it. Maybe you're not into college basketball and maybe you're not watching Blacksburg basketball, but like, you should. Most, most people aren't outside of Blacksburg. That's the problem. You know, there is not a household. I mean, they're not known. Let's be honest, the last 30 years, they were known for football. Yeah. You know, now, you know, it's changing. And I mean, they, they, they definitely have been getting a lot of help from the, the right state uh, transfer, Grant Basili. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right or not. But yeah. he's, been pretty, he's been pretty damn good this season. And then um, I think it was a, it was a sophomore, the Sean Padula. I can't even pronounce some of these guys' names. He's having a hell of a season so far. Yeah. So, well, like I said, I'm I'm not gonna get ahead of myself. We'll see. You know, let's play some tougher teams and and see if you know um the same tough team shows up and and plays lights out, as you say. Yeah. It, look, preseason rankings don't mean shit. It, they but, don't. But but what they 
the choices that the the experts or the media people or whatever make make sense actually it makes sense because everybody who's right ahead of tech is a known quantity sure. they, under, they, they know who mike bray has and they know they know who he is and they know who he brought back notre dame was one spot ahead leonard hamilton outside of last season and then how this season has started at florida state has been very successful so they were betting on that the length and athleticism and defense of, that you would expect from Florida State was going to be back this year. Larinaga and Miami are supposed to have a good squad. They got a couple of good transfers, one of them that they paid a bunch of NL money to come play for them. Um, and Isaiah Wong, who is perennially a pain in everybody's ass, is supposed to have a good year. Um, UVA, you know, Tony Bennett's not going to have a bad year. They're the back best team back. in the ACC. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at at the moment, yes. Um, Duke's full of talent with a first year head coach, but still full of talent. And North Carolina was returning everybody but one person from a national championship or a national championship appearance. So I don't really think it's disrespectful at all. Actually, I think it just makes sense based off of the context of what media the media is looking at, and they know the they know what those six programs are. And Mike Young is a good coach, and I think we all know that. But oh, yeah. just, but he's also three, well, four years into his tenure, and when he's at year ten and he's been consistently good, he'll be preseason three or four, oh, just yeah. like some of these other people get the benefit of the doubt. That's I, what's going on here. I can and agree I, with that because I, I completely agree. And that's when I saw who the six teams were ranked ahead of us, they they're going off of you know what they did. Last year, they're going off of, like you said, coaches and the teams that have been there. They they know what they're going to get with these schools. Um, so I I mean I have no I'm not really disrespected at the same time at you know where Tech is and and who the six teams are ahead of them. I didn't think it was disrespectful. I just saw Storm Murphy's leaving Virginia Tech. We're going to drop them from first to seventh because we don't know who they are now. They obviously, they obviously lost other people from the Hokies, but Storm Murphy leaves. Drop him. And a Brady Manic leaves. Be a number one in the country. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait a second. The math doesn't add up here. Thank God Storm Murphy's gone. He was a pain in the ass, too. <laughs> he was awesome with a and with a badass name, too. <laughs> All right, let's switch over to the predictive finish for the second team with the new brand new Shire hire and a roster who I only recognize one name on the Duke blue devils. I mean, Duke obviously has a ton of talent, but I don't, I don't know the roster this year. I have to feel like I'm having to get <laughs> used to it. I don't even That's know what year. skill set anybody has, but at least in the past, they had some role players that were, you know, kind of like the glue guys this year. It's like, I know Jeremy Roach and I don't know the Filipowski kid just cause I've heard you talk about it, but Brand new roster, but it's a lot of talent. Derek Lively, Max Johns, the Whitehead kid. That's about it. <laughs> they, they, so oh, high level overview. <clears throat> they have one player coming back who actually significantly played time, Jeremy Roach. He's a junior, he's a point guard, he's the sole captain, leader of the team, most important player on the floor. That's it. Point guards often are, but it's definitely true on this team. Um, they have seven freshmen and they have four grad transfers. And then they have one other 
kid who is, did not play significantly last year, but that is part of the rotation this year. He's a guard, Jalen Blakes. He's not much on the offensive end, but he's a good defensive player. So sort of to your blue guy point, um, he, he'll end up playing that role over the next few years. Um, the grad transfer side, they, they have people who are contributing right away. They, two of them are two of them from the big 10, actually one, Jacob Grandison from Illinois, who is great defender and can, and shot, I think was 40% from three over his career. And then Ryan Young came from Northwestern. He has been a huge addition to this team. He's helped the the young big guys grow a lot, and he pulls down a ton of rebounds. and And you can tell he's the kind of guy who, like, athletically, he's not as talented as anyone on this team, but he's had to fight so hard for it that he's a very smart, and good player. Um, on the freshman side, ton of talent. I mean, same old story as you always have. Also in the same old story, the two most talented freshmen, the, the one and two rated players of the year got hurt. You know, that happens every single year in Durham. It seems, I don't know what's going on, but it always happens. Um, so their development has been slow. That's lively. He was number one. He's a seven, like seven, two center. And then Whitehead, who's a guard, it's supposed to be hell of a shooter and, and just all around player. Um, so their development has been stunted, but they have not, uh, so they don't, they have not played as much to date. Um, but they're starting to get more into the rotation, um, throughout the games, but Filipowski has come on huge. He's had a ton of double doubles. Um, like I said, four times has been the ACC rookie of the week. Um, Tyrese Proctor, who was supposed to be a 2023 class, um, addition, he classified up. He's actually from Australia. He's really starting to come into his own. He's a guard. He can shoot. He plays good defense. Mark Mitchell, who is uh, another forward, he's a hell of a player. They So when we played Iowa this past week, all we heard going into the game was Chris Murray, Chris Murray, Chris Murray. He's in the contention for player of the year. Put Mark Mitchell on him, shut him down. He, he had like seven rebounds and six points or four points or something on the night. Um, so, you know, really what you've got is a similar story to what we've had for a decade. You got a, a lot of young talent, a little bit of upperclassmen, and you've got to bring that group together. And as the year goes on, they're going to get better. And how good they get is going to tell the tale of this of how the season goes. What's a little bit different about this team, and Shire said this going into the season, and it's definitely been true, um, they're a good defensive team. Like right now, they're a good defensive team. They can rebound. Yeah, they're very good. Um, they also are rebound, like unlike any Duke team has done in years. Duke is not traditionally a, a program that pulls down a lot of rebounds. Probably since the 2010 national title team with uh, Zubek in the middle, Lance Thomas and Kyle Singler. Probably. I mean, it, in the past 10 years, I can't think of a team that rebounded well. Um, it's always been a frustration of a, as a fan. This team, defense and rebounding is where is the foundation of the team. The offense is still coming along. It's clearly getting better. I can see it getting better, but it's still going to take some time. I think as, as some of these younger players can step up 
it's going to contribute. Jeremy Roach has come on big at times. He had 22 points against Iowa. You could see he's starting to understand his role as a leader and, and feeling confident and taking his shots. Um, so it, what I, what I find interesting about it, you making the 2010 comment, Logan is, you know, Shire's mindset potentially is in that sort of team mindset, you know, defense and rebounding and, and bringing the rest of the stuff along. Um, Cause those pieces, they've been good and, you know, they're not scoring 85 a night right now, um, but they're holding most teams to low 60s or less. And uh, you do that all year and the offense gets better, could be a special year. Yeah, so every, really. Go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say every year. <laughs> and... <laughs> Podcasting remotely, right? You go for it. <laughs> every year, uh, age, age before beauty, Logan. <laughs> um, um, every year there's a guy that I always uh, get a kick out of watching at Duke not because um, you know Duke's always entertaining to watch so is Virginia and I recently started watching a little bit of Virginia Tech too but so now that Trevor Keel's graduated um, I have to find my new my new uh, guy to care about half get, half give a shit about on Duke because otherwise I can't actually watch the games because it just makes me upset so I think I think my guy I think my guy is going to be Mark Mitchell because he's annoying and he's he's now if he starts tripping people a la certain others Armando um, <laughs> um that's why I purposely coughed because I knew you try and say his name uh, <laughs> then uh then we'll have something different there but he, he's impressed me he, he's like a little Marcus Smart for a little uh for those that don't watch the NBA he's he, he's a little leaky black. Uh, Durham finally found a leaky black, so we'll see if he can run out his offensive game. But I'm I'm looking forward to see what what that guy does. Hopefully, he, he takes. He can his, score. Yeah, his first game of the year, I think he scored 16 or 18. Like he hasn't been as consistent as Filipowski or some of the or a couple of the other guys. Um, you know, obviously yeah. like Roach and Tyrese Proctor, <laughs> but the, he stepped up and had some big nights, and so yeah. he's got an inning. But that defense. It's been it's fun to watch because another thing over the past decade that has been a difficult as a fan is some years the defense is just so awful because the team is so young. And of, over the course of the season, it tends to get better. But, man, it's nice to not start from, from just a huge hole. <laughs> just like the other team can come. You're just trading buckets and hoping to get a stop or two. So. Yeah, I think that's the thing that intrigues me the most about this Duke team is the defense and rebounding. Because, like you said it best, young young teams normally couldn't buy in or understand the – Coach K used to talk about the communication aspect on help side defense as quickly as, like, the old Duke teams of the past, you know, where you had Battier for four years. Um, it, it was just a different type of building a roster in modern basketball. So that would be interesting to me to see down the stretch with the Blue Devils. Um, yeah, and it'll be interesting over the next, even as we get past the season, what kind of teams Shire's going to build. So I think he's still going to build it on the the faces are going to be different every year, but are they going to be different kinds of faces? I don't know. This season looks a little different than the past few. So we'll see where it goes. 
Yeah, which leads me to a team that I, I actually do – I felt better about this before the starting center went down, but I actually do believe NC State could be like a, a dark horse team that wouldn't – is not, not to win the league, but to like finish in the, the upper six, the upper five of the league if things – the ball bounces the right way. And I say that because in the offseason, like last year was the worst year in NC State basketball history. It's not even remotely close. They lost 20 or more games for the first time ever. Finished dead last in the league, first time ever. Kevin Keats had a two more years added to his contract due to a clause, not because he got an extension, but due to a clause due to the pandemic and the recruiting cloud that has now since been settled. So he he was guaranteed at least three more years. Um, going into this year, he retooled the assistant coaching staff, brought in Levi Watkins from Ole Miss, who is an alum, played basketball at NC State, brought in Joel Justice, who is a longtime Coach Calipari assistant and and a very, very good recruiter, um, and then did well in the transfer portal because you, you had Turquavion Smith, who is a really, really good offensive player, come back, uh, decided to come back to school for a sophomore year. And then in the portal, you went out and got Jarkel Joyner. Jarkel Joyner is a dog. He's one of those point guards you want running your team. He's an Ole Miss transfer. He's averaging about 16 and a half points a game roughly right now. And he he's just steady with the ball, 90% free throw shooter, plays good on-ball defense, and, you know, he's experienced. And, it, it, you know, Ryan was alluding to guard play matters and experienced guard play is a premium these days with people leaving early like they do. NC State has ex- experienced guard play with Jarko Joyner at point guard. Traquavion Smith, you know, sophomores are a lot older than they used to be 30 years ago these days. And on top of that, Casey Morsell, who was a UVA transfer from about two or three years ago, has finally found a shot. He's shooting 50% from three at the third guard slot, and he's always been a good defender coming from the Tony Bennett system. The biggest issue last year's team had was uh, down in the post, they were they were razor thin. So they went out and got Mohorcic, who is now out indefinitely, likely for the year. That was that's going to be a big loss. You can't replace an experienced player like that who is a bull in a china shop and a rebounding machine like he was. But the other guy, on the downside with DJ Burns is he's not in good enough shape to play more than twenty to twenty five minutes a game. But DJ Burns is a kid who started off at the Power Five level, transferred, I believe, to UNC Pembroke, was the I think it was the Southern Conference Player of the Year, and wanted to play his last year back at the power five level to see if he could go back to it. And Burns uh, was, is it has very, very nice footwork and can shoot the, um, it was Winthrop, um, can shoot the uh, mid range jump shot and has a good jump hook. He's a guy that is going to contribute, but the downside is the same thing with BJ Anya years ago. You know, you can't, they're not going to have a lot of burn during the game. Um, you still got Ernest Ross, who is still very raw, but he's got a very athletic frame. He was a top 50 recruit two or three years ago. Um, having to play out of position at the five a little bit now, but he's better off playing at the four. But this NC State team has just looked different this year. Um, it, they have been, for anybody in the sports gambling world, they've actually been covering. Like when they were, are 10-point favorites, they're winning about 40. They're 13-point favorites, they're winning about 25. Uh, as they say, good teams win, but great teams cover. Uh, when you win, when you can beat the point spread, like that, that actually does kind of show you have more cohesiveness and more talent on your roster. But it's the hustle and the defense that I've seen from this year's team. The downside is um, he's a nice guy, but Kevin Keats is still the head coach, and um, we go, we run a glorified AAU offense. Um, thankfully, we're a good shooting team this year, 
But if we've let, we have two losses, a very close loss to Kansas, and then we have a home loss to start the conference here against Pitt, 68-60, where we shot 36% from the floor. Joyner and <clears throat> LaSalle transferred Jack Clark when they combined 0 for 20 from the floor. So, like, when you have an off night like that where you – but. Uh, where you shoot 36%, it's a recipe to lose. I've watched that happen with a lot of Duke teams in my life where they're great perimeter shooting teams, but those cold nights, it's a, you know, it's a struggle, and a lot of times you lose a close one. The silver lining for NC State is you only lost by eight. Like Normally, when we shoot 36% from the floor in the last few years, we lose by double digits, like 15, 16, 17 points. Um, this uh, Isaiah Miranda kid coming in, He's a little bit raw and he needs to put on some weight. So I, I'm I'm curious as to how much of an impact he's going to have at the college game this year. But it's another big body we have that it, that he's expected to be in the NBA draft either this year or after next season. So like he does have talent. Um, if he pans out even a little bit, that that's a big pickup for the Wolfpack. And I think that they could best case scenario is they finish about fourth. Uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. But reality is this NC State team is vastly better than last year's. Um, and I, I attribute that to just more depth down low, but it's definitely the guard play. Um, quick guards that can shoot the rock. Can I, can I say something mm-hmm. that's perfect, uh, perfectly fits with NC State? So I feel like people think that NC State is because of the coach being – Lacking a little bit. That's, I think that's fair to say that's the general narrative, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I look, he came from UNCW, so did I. So, like, I mean, that's kind <laughs> of the deal. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, and then, um, guard play that is perhaps underrated, but is pretty solid and is a little bit older than, than you might expect, right? With some pretty decent shooting to at least start the year, right? And then you have a problem at, at the bigs. Right. But we'll see how that fills out. And there's there's new bodies that could potentially step in and take over that. Right. If I gave you those five things and then I didn't tell you the name of the team. And then I told you that the name of the team was Virginia. It's the same thing. Virginia is the same team. They really are. They're a team that has returning guard play that is pretty solid, but they don't really shoot that great. Right. So it's the exact opposite. If I said like. uh good coach that's kind of plucky and is kind of figuring it out with a team that's young and whatever, you would think Kevin Keats, right? You wouldn't think like Tony Bennett, but it's really Tony Bennett. So they're kind of like polar opposites. And that's what's so interesting to me when we talk about like brands and stuff like that. Cause I said earlier, like Virginia, best team, best team in the, in the conference, right? Not on paper. I mean, not on paper, on paper, they look exactly like NC state, the difference. And I don't know if this is coaching. I don't know if this is luck. I don't know if this is strength of schedule. But like at the beginning of the year, I basically would have looked at you and said, Virginia has a problem up front because the two guys that they played last year sucked. I mean, just period. They weren't any good. And maybe that's unfair because I'm thinking back to whatever his face was. Um, Jack something. I can't remember his name. I can remember his face. Um, The big guy in the middle. But uh, anyways, uh, Jack Huff. I think that was his name. But anyways. I think. Wasn't it Jake? Jay Huff. Sorry. Jay. Uh, yeah. Jay Huff. He was another pain in the ass. <laughs> I, just, I just remember people that are pain in the ass, right? Because that probably means you're a good ball player. But yeah. uh, he so, averaged 13, 
6.7 rebounds a game. And he was a pain in the ass. <laughs> so when you're a team that relies on Armando Baycott and pretty much Armando Baycott only, if you come up against Jay Huff, it's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I guess what I'm saying there to, to keep it short and simple is Virginia's playing very well this year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they win the league. I would probably pick them to win the league in all seriousness. Um, they have a lot of returning people. They've got Kihei Clark. They've got the Franklin kid. I forget his name. Um, and the Kenny got, Pickett of college basketball. What? <laughs> he's the, the Kenny, Kenny Pickett, Pickett of college, college basketball. basketball. I don't think he's ever going to leave. <laughs> um, they've got the uh, the two big guys. Uh, Shedrick is definitely the name of the one. And then um, the other guy Shedrick's has an right. The, the other guy has an Italian name. This is terrible. Uh, Francisco something. Anyways, but uh, the two big guys, they, they're coming back. I just I, – they've played well so far. We'll see how well they continue to do. I just – they got – they also have a transfer. And the only reason I know this is because I watched a little Virginia basketball. They got a transfer from Ohio. And I was cracking up because, um, to me, if you're filling out a March Madness bracket and you see Ohio versus Virginia – that's the game where you you figure like Virginia's four and Ohio's 13 and you pick Ohio just because Virginia never does anything in the tournament and you move on with your life. You may or may not, may or may not even watch it. The point saying that like the Ohio Bobcats do not like inspire a lot of confidence or anything. You should have heard the announcers talk about this kid. It was like he was going to come save the program. I mean, it was fantastic. I, I looked up his name. His name is Ben Vanderplees. So if you're watching a Virginia Cavaliers game this year, and they talk to you about the savior of the program for the Virginia Cavaliers. It's Ben Vanderplees from Ohio. And he's apparently going to be the one that's going to come save everything. To be fair, I don't think any of their players uh, coming into the year, th this is the stat they're talking about. None of their players coming in into the year. I think they shot less than 33% from three. And so apparently this guy coming in was going to light it up. But the bottom line is if not unlike your team, Logan, if the bigs don't continue to play well, they're, they're screwed. I mean, I hate to be a broken record, but sorry, Duke and Carolina have the most talent. We're probably going to win. <laughs> I mean, ser seriously, Virginia has a chance to take it. NC State has a chance to play well. Virginia Tech's playing really well and can shoot the lights out. But, like, at the end of the day, like, I know that we're skipping over Miami, but, like, there's two teams that have a lot of talent in the conference. Yet again, if they can ever get their act together. Yeah, we were supposed to have this French kid named Mady Treor that was supposed to be joining the team in the second semester. Um, he likely is not joining the squad until next season now. He was the the recruiting services rated him as the equivalent of a borderline five star guy down low, uh, European style game. Um, yeah. But he they had visa issues and he couldn't qualify. They were having getting issues getting him qualified for school. So that's not happening this year. The Miranda kids taking the final scholarship spot. That's why we even have one open mid midseason. Um, but the ex expectation now is that Trey Ward joins the team for the 2023 season. But <laughs> it would have been nice to have that extra extra body that is a skilled offensive player come in. But but unfortunately, you know, visa issues and qualifications got in the way of that one. It's government stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, UV, yeah, UVA looks a lot better this year just from what little – I've watched a little bit of a couple of their games. Uh, they're shooting better. They were just their, – their offense looks better, I guess is just what I'm saying. They're, you can count on them to slow the game down. You can count on them to play good defense. Although last year their defense 
for once was not quite in lockdown as it has been. But this year, their offense looks much better. And that's the scary part about Virginia. Whenever they can score, then they're you're in trouble because their defense is going to be so good that it's going to be a hell of a brawl to just beat them. That That's a good segue into uh, this next part where I want us to all give our, as of right now, predicted finish for the top four, uh, what you think it's going to end up being because um, I'll start with that. Like, I think Virginia is going to win the, the now not-so-fake regular season title. They tend to grind out games, and especially, like you said, Dustin, when they can score, they're a dangerous team, and they've been scoring the rock pretty well this year. So I think that the regular season aspect of it fits Virginia's kind of uh, motif of what we've seen during the Tony Bennett era. So I've got them winning the regular season at one. I've got Duke at two. Um, I, th- I actually have Virginia Tech finishing third. I just think that it's an experienced roster that can really shoot the ball. And, you know, they're, they're, they're tough out and they're, they're playing good ball. So I got them at third. And then I got Carolina finishing fourth. I think Carolina's spiral is going to continue for a little bit, but not for a good part of it, not for the rest of the season. So I think that they eventually figure it out and they end up still getting the double by at four. And then whoever wants to go next, y'all go for it. Short and simple. (laughs) Go. All right. What you got? Duke, one. Virginia, two. Miami, a team we haven't talked about yet, but they have talent. Three. Virginia Tech, four. Notice I didn't say Carolina. I can go into more details if you want. I was going to say, so I'm assuming you think the spiral lasts a little bit longer than I do. Not necessarily. I just think that um, I don't need to go. Conference play started. Look at it this way. Conference play has started. Yeah. So if it takes them a little bit, and they're going to have a little break here. They're going to have the exam and Christmas break. But uh, if it takes them a little while to get going, they could pile up a few losses in conference before they can get going. So it's it's entirely possible they sit down at five or six in, in the conference when it's all said and done. If I'm being brutally honest without giving you the whole scouting report on this, the Brady Manic loss is a, is a bigger deal than people expect. Pete Nance is a good player, not unlike the Northwestern transfer. Was it a, the guy that came from to Duke, right? He rebounds, yeah. he rebounds great. He hasn't really found his shot quite yet. There are games that he pops off, and then there are games where we don't really hear from him. So welcome to the Caleb Love All-Star team. I mean, it's just that's just how it works. So I've got, I don't want to speak for the kid, but 55% of Armando Baycott and four streaky guys. And then I've got some developing freshmen. Talent is great. But coming from a North Carolina football fan, we have an all-bus team, right? Those guys walk off the bus. They look like they're the real deal. We got all sorts of stars. We got so many stars. We're the, we should be called the North Carolina Milky Way. But when we come off the bus, we don't fucking do anything. So I, color me unimpressed with the talent. I get it. I get that the talent is there. But I, I don't see it. And that's why I say I'm not going to give you the whole scouting report. But, like, Miami, Miami's got more grit in my opinion, in North Carolina. North Carolina's got Jordan shoes. 
You know what I mean? They've got the whole brand. They've got the the, the stadium. You got the, ceiling. Got the, you got the ceiling too. So <laughs> it is the roof. I'm just saying <laughs> those kids. I'm not going to say they want it more, but why I, why would I not put Virginia Tech, Virginia, or sorry, Virginia Tech and 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 Miami above North Carolina? They want it more. They're they're playing harder, and 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 to be quite honest with you, they're playing better. They're they're not streaky. They're consistent. Yeah. So I would put both of those teams above my team. Um, it's uh, also in case this isn't already uh, plainly aware to the people from South Bend or anyone else that's a Notre Dame fan. I'm not a big believer in Notre Dame this year. They return. They return a lot, and they've got a star freshman to go along with it. So experience mm-hmm. and some star power. Yeah. Well, let's see. Well, Last mic break. Number one for me is going to be Georgia Tech. Are we, <laughs> are we doing worst to first, worst to first, or yeah. worst to last? First? Georgia Tech, Louisville, Florida State, and um, Boston College. Yeah. Boston College, yeah, and Boston College. No, those those are mean, the top four, right? Nailed how it. I think, it, I mean, how I think it's going to finish for regular seasons, pretty much what everyone else is saying. UVA, Duke. I'll say Miami is probably going to be third, and I'll put. I, I'll agree with you guys. I think Tech. They're being consistent in all their games, you know. Even the one that they lost, they were consistent with shooting. Um, so I'll put them in four, and then, you know, Carolina will eventually find their way back and round out at either five or six. Does anyone think Clemson's any good? No. No. I... I'm not a believer in Brownell to deliver, unfortunately, because he was I think, another UNCW guy. I think he does just enough to not get fired at a football school. He should come home to UNCW. Yeah. He should come home to UNCW. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he makes too much money at Clemson. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just making fun. Yeah, I you know I'm, I think I'm in agreement with Angle. I, good guys on top, Full City Boys, number one. Of course, I'm going home team. Uh, UVA, Miami Tech. I could see that top four finish. Um, I think right behind them, you're looking at Notre Dame and potentially State if State continues to be a, a team with fight. Um, I think right there in the middle of the conference is is wide the hell open um uh-huh. you, throw a dart and a logo and you might have a team that finishes there yeah i mean you've got i don't know what happened to florida state over the past couple of years but florida state's awful right now louisville's awful right now boston college is awful right now and georgia tech is awful right now so you got those four off the table Pitts started off a little better than i think people thought but they have not been good under Jeff Capel, and I don't anticipate them having a good year. So that that basically says, what order do you expect State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, and what Clemson and Notre Dame to finish it? And uh, depends on what you do, what you believe. I don't. Brownell and Clemson often disappoint. Um, I actually think Steve Forbes is a pretty decent coach over in Wake Forest, but I don't know if they have enough talent. To like, I just don't know how that's going to go. Syracuse, you know, Bayheim's probably overstated his welcome 
<laughs> He's trying to get his two boys graduated. I think they're both gone. I think is they finally graduated. Uh, finally, but I think so. I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's one more. There were several. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right there in the middle, it, it's who knows, you know, who we who we get in that. But it very well could be State Notre Dame, and you know, I don't know. But I I, I would anticipate somewhere in that top five to six, you're looking at those schools. I do have a hot take that I put out on tailgate season on our uh, ACC basketball preview this week that I do actually believe the caveat that if this happens, it's possible. Now, the big thing is, is it going to happen? It's unlikely. But I think that my hot take for the year is if, and that's a big if, NC State finds a way to be good enough consistently to finish in the top four of the league and get a double bye. I think they win the ACC tournament. But like I said, that the caveat is the big if is if they're good enough to finish in the top four. The reason I, I say that is because if you get to the tournament, you know, good, if, you're good, if your guard play has been good and it's good enough to get you to that level of a finish, you have a good chance of winning in a tournament format. Uh, so that's my, that's my preseason hot take. Yeah. And look, it, only two teams have not been a top four seed to win the tournament. Mm-hmm. And since is since the league has expanded to fifteen teams, one of them's in Blacksburg, the other's in Durham. So, not an easy thing to do. I guess uh, we can wrap things up with because uh, we. I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this back. Uh, but how fucking bad is Louisville? Like they're one of the worst teams in college basketball. Zero and eight. So I did. I didn't want to hit y'all with computer algorithms, but I did look up the net rankings um, ahead of this discussion. And Louisville, I think, is literally 360 out of the country, <laughs> and that's really, really, really bad. I was shocked at how bad that was. Um, so you can take the algorithms, but the eye test tells me that's probably right. Um, down there at about 360. It, it, it's interesting, you know, I will say this about, you know, Chris Mack started off really well at Louisville. And then I feel like those last two or three years, they just did not recruit well. And then he was filling holes with transfers and a lot of mid-major transfers. To be fair, I, no matter how bad, I know they've had some bad losses, but to be fair to those guys, that staff, um, my boy Nolan Smith is out there as the associate head coach now. They didn't have a lot to work with coming into that situation. Um, I, I might be willing to give them a pass no matter how bad they are this year. But you give them a year or two of getting some decent players in, no more excuses. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the list of who's who of who they've lost to so far, it's teams that I've never heard of. So that's why I'm just like – it's pretty bad. I, I don't know how bad they are. <laughs> I think it's the lock of the my mortal lock for the preseason is they finished dead last. Yeah, yeah, something crazy would have to happen for that not to happen. So. Yeah. Over Georgia Tech, huh? Oh yeah, I think that uh, Passner does just enough to win a, to sneak a few wins in every year. I mean, they they're what two or three years removed from a Mickey Mouse title during COVID. 
Is he yeah. still wearing that? Is he still wearing that windshield? <laughs> Coach. Managers come over and spray it and wipe it off for him. Does he have wipers on it? <laughs> <laughs> it looks like he was an extra for uh the guy from the Wonder Years. I shouldn't make fun of people trying to protect themselves from a disease, but I'm not sure how, how well that the was virus. protecting it. Yeah. Whatever. They are we're, uh, we're gonna get the, the disclaimer now because we talked we said the C word. Oh geez. I didn't say anything. I said the D word, you said the V word. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I uh <laughs> did it didn't he give that? No one cares, but hey, you wanted us to talk college basketball, right? Georgia Tech. Didn't he give that to um uh West Durham as like a joke? The face shield. Yeah, I think it was he up in there. I think it was up in their man cave for a minute, like just as a joke. <laughs> they got that, if, if I remember correctly, they got that. And then they got hair cream, like Brill hair cream from uh, Mike Bray. <laughs> <laughs> that that makes sense. Mike Bray is such an interesting character. He, he looks like the like the uncle who's like still has like pocket whiskey and drives a Firebird like for Thanksgiving, <laughs> you know. You know why, That's right? what he looks like. So apparently, he's, he's I, the one that shows up to like the, all the family reunions and Thanksgiving dinners with like a twenty-one-year-old girlfriend or something, <laughs> and, and, and reeks of like rich whiskey. <laughs> so, oh, uh, that's funny. I don't know if I should tell the story or not. Melissa's got a cousin, and we showed up and we saw him one time. I met this guy like three times in my life. And he plays basketball. It's just, it's, it's, it's a similar thing, right? First time I saw him, he was at a bar in Crocs and Patriot sweatpants, and he was offering people Rumpelman shots. The next time I, true story. The next time I saw him, he was in a field in a rainstorm. Uh, I think we were waiting to listen to like Leonard Skinner or something like that. He had a raincoat <laughs> on the, the original or well, as much as is left. Right. And uh, then he had a and Merle Haggard was at that festival too before he passed, unfortunately. And uh, he opens his raincoat and he's got a bottle of Vsop brandy on the inside of it. So he's an interesting character, let's just to say the least. But um, Mike Bray is—I feel like he's kind of cut from the same cloth. I—I I, I only recently found out he's from Maryland. I didn't know that. He was like born and raised in Maryland, and like born and raised like in like hardcore like ACC country, like Maryland fan growing up, and so like he has like severe ties like like both childhood fandom and then i think i think his parents or maybe his father were was a coach or was connected to the universities in some way or to the acc in some way so if they ever do like a um i can't remember if i saw that on like one of those like three-day weekends or something like that but it really surprised me it gave me a soft spot for him because i always thought he was kind of a jackass so if you're ever watching mike bray on the sidelines and he looks like a jackass he is but uh, at least he's a jackass that knows a lot about the ACC. <laughs> so I'll give him a pass for that. Also, his favorite pizza is Lido's Pizza. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> okay, we got that in common. <laughs> Look, another another guy at a, at a football school who, like, generally does enough to not get fired. So, you know, he's had some good years, but he's also not. But because everybody cares about football on NBC. He gets passed. I'm not a believer in his team. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, it should be a fun year. 
uh, this year watching it. Um, we'll see how right. We'll have to look back on this as we get close to the end of the year and see see if we got anything right this year. Uh, but this episode of Miserable and Reckless, I'm Logan sitting here with Morgan, Dustin, and Ryan. We'll see you next time.